Please remain standing with me if you are able and turn in your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 5. We took the week off from our reading in Genesis last week for uh, the Lord's Supper and our reading through the law. And today we are back in Genesis, continuing on in chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, hear now the holy, inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. The days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. And Seth lived an hundred and five years, and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos eight hundred and seven years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years, and he died. And Enos lived ninety years, and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years, and begat Mahalalel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel 840 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived 60 and 5 years, and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were 890 and 5 years, and he died. And Jared lived 160 and 2 years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and 2 years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived an hundred eighty and seven years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred eighty and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and 9 years, and he died. And Lamech lived 180 and 2 years and begat a son. He called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 590 and 5 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years, and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. May the Lord grant his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his most holy word. You may be seated. So just to review a bit after taking our week off, in Genesis 4, what did we see? We saw that sin of Cain, didn't we? Uh, Offering that rebellious sacrifice. Um, that offering unto God, not a sacrifice. Um, We see sin rising up out of jealousy, killing Abel. And we see him as an example of an unrepentant heart, right? 
When the Lord brought him chastisement, instead of turning in repentance, what does Cain say? Oh, this judgment is too great for me. You're too harsh on me, God. I don't, I don't deserve this. When in fact, Cain deserved far worse than what he got. He deserved death and was still kept alive. Well, we see moving towards the end of that chapter in Cain, the sons of Cain, the sons of men, the wicked line of Cain is developed there in chapter 4. If you remember, it kind of culminates in that fellow Lamech. He's, he's considered to be Lamech the Great, but we call him Lamech the Less because he's an ungodly man, right? He, he is the first man in history to take two wives, to abandon the creation ordinance of one man, one woman. But Lamech takes two wives in rebellion to God, and he glories in murder and justifying himself. And he is kind of the prototypical pre-flood uh, image of despising God and living in rebellion, and presuming upon God's forbearance. God won't judge me. Look, I live for almost forever. Right? That's, that's what we see in Lamech and in this ungodly line of Cain. But we saw at the end of that chapter, hope in a new seed. Abel had been killed, but Seth is born. And the name Seth, we see at the end of chapter 4, means appointed, placed, or firmly founded. For in him now, in Seth, Eve sees the hope of the Messiah to come, right? He's appointed unto that hope. And then there at the very end of chapter 4 and verse 26, we see um, that then men began to call upon the name of the Lord, which can be translated, um, then men began to identify themselves by the name of the Lord. In other words, there's a line of Cain in the ungodly, and there's a line of the godly in Seth that are identified as God's people. And so now we come to Genesis chapter 5, and we see the development of the godly line. So as we begin Genesis chapter 5, it begins with, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And this is a very important phrase in the book of Genesis. In fact, it forms the outline for the book of Genesis. The Hebrew word generations is the word toldot, Toldot. And it's repeated again and again and again in Genesis, identifying the outline or the different families or generations that are being described and developed in the book of Genesis. Thirteen times it's used in the book of Genesis, and it comes in this form. Back in Genesis 2 verse 4, we had, these are the generations of the heaven and earth. And what do we have? A description of the development of the earth. In Genesis 5.1, we have, this is the book of the generations of Adam. Then we, what follows is a description of the godly line and development of Adam. If you go to Genesis 6.9, you would have, these are the generations of Noah. And from that follows the development of his line. Genesis 11.10, these are the de- generations of Shem. And what follows then is the line of Shem, the godly line of Shem. Genesis eleven twenty seven. These are the generations of Terah, and of course, whose son was was Terah? Terah had a son named what? Who? Abraham. Abram. Right. So ge- uh, the generations of Terah are the line of Abraham, and then you have the generations of Ishmael and Isaac, a development of a godly seed and an ungodly seed out of one line, and then also you'd see in Genesis thirty seven. These are the generations of Jacob. So if you want a clean and neat outline of the book of Genesis, look for that phrase, and you can develop that outline for Genesis. 
Now notice that in chapter 4, the generations were reckoned through Cain. The ungodly seed comes through Cain. Not Adam. Cain. Here in Genesis 5, we have the generations of Adam. The development of the godly seed is pointed back to Adam. Uh, the, the one who God had, had, had given life to, given birth to in the garden, and who still hoped for the promise of the Messiah, where his son Cain did not. And there's a distinction then between the ungodly line of Cain and the godly line of Adam through Seth. As mentioned last week, there are and always will be until Christ comes only really two classes of people in the earth. There is the ungodly line of Cain and there is the godly line of Seth. There are the godly and there are the wicked. Regardless of what anybody else wants to classify as race, as culture, as this or that, there are really only two classes of people from God's perspective. We are all one race in two categories, the wicked and the godly. And we see the godly seed developed here in chapter 5. You turn to verse 3, you'll notice that Adam has a son after his own likeness or in his own likeness. This is a very important phrase in this chapter. You see, Adam, having fallen in sin, begat a son who was born into sin. He was born in the likeness of Adam. Adam had been made after the image of who? God. But now, having fallen, his son is born in his image. There is a transfer Uh, There is a relationship of guilt between Adam and all of his posterity. And we see that developed here in Genesis chapter 5. All that are born of Adam by ordinary generation are fallen and dead in sin. And there is only one man who was born, not in the normal sort of way, who was born without sin. And who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ. As we go through this from verses 3 through 17, we see the movement from Adam through Seth to Enoch. When we come to eat, we, what we find in this is that throughout that line, that they are godly people, but we're reminded in that phrase that they're born in the image of Adam, they're godly but not perfect. We're still looking for one who is perfect at this point in Genesis. When we come to verse 18, in verses 18 through 24, we come upon Enoch. And the name Enoch means dedicated or to train up. See, Enoch is born at the same time at which Lamech the Great or the wicked, the lesser Lamech lives that we read about in Genesis 4. He's a contemporary of him. And it's interesting, there's a parallel between Enoch and Lamech here. Lamech was the sixth person in the genealogy from Adam. The number six in the Bible is an important number. It stands for the number of man. Because what day of creation was man created on? The sixth day. Cain is repre- or Lamech here is represented as the prototypical wicked man being the sixth from Adam. But Enoch, we are told, in Jude, and if you do the math, is the seventh from Adam. Now the number seven is a very important number in the Bible. It is three plus four, and well, what does that mean, right? Well, three in the Bible is the number of divinity, of deity. Why three? There is one God in three persons. The number four is the number of the earth. Why Why would four be the number of the earth? Well, 
How many directions are there on a compass? The four winds of the earth, right? So the north, south, east, and west, they describe the earth in its fullness. And if you take God and you take the earth and you combine them together, you have God's perfect working in the earth. And that's what the number seven represents in the Bible. And what you find here is that although there is an ungodly line of Cain and there is a wicked man known as Lamech, God has not abandoned this godly, this godly seed. In that seventh generation, he raises up a prophet. He raises up a prophet, Enoch. And Enoch demonstrates the controversy with the wicked. And he prophesies of their coming judgment. And we actually find that in Jude 14. Jude verse 14. It says there, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You see, Enoch stood as a preacher of righteousness in the day of exceeding ungodliness and testified that God was coming in judgment. Now, Enoch was, as a prophet, taken directly to heaven. It says, when it says he was not, for he was taken, he was translated, it means he did not die the way you and I die. He was taken directly to heaven. And this in and of itself is prophetic because it testified to the pre-flood world that all men, all women, all boys and girls would have to face their creator. You look around, you say, where did Enoch go? Where did he go? He went back to the creator. And that, when those people couldn't find him, and he didn't die in the normal way, they should have thought, we're going to have to deal with this creator someday. Right? And so his, his translation testifies of a coming judgment. Uh, it also is an Old Testament revelation of the resurrection, of life after death. All men will be raised to live, raised up to live eternally, some unto life eternal and some unto death. Now, if you think that Enoch was translated simply because he was a good and righteous man, Hebrews 11.6 has something to tell you. Hebrews 11.6, that hall, that hall of uh, faith, that hall of fame of faith, shows that it was Enoch's faith in the Messiah to come which was effectual to his salvation. It wasn't his works. It's never been about works. It's always been about faith. Now, Enoch has one more prophetic function to give us yet in this chapter. He's off the scene, but look who comes after him, Methuselah. And what do you know about Methuselah, boys and girls? Bible trivia time. Oldest man to ever live, right? 969 years. Well, why would I say there's a prophetic function in Enoch? excuse me, in Methuselah. It's because Enoch, as a prophet, gave his son a special name. And the name that Enoch gave Methuselah was, meant, after death it comes. After death it comes. And if you work through the timeline of those generations that follow, you will find that the flood comes in the year that Methuselah dies. Methuselah stands as a living testimony of the prophecy of Enoch that God's judgment was coming. And he lived with a name that testified to everybody around him, when I'm dead, you're in trouble. Right? And yet, despite all of this, we see the presumption of the ungodly seed growing in wickedness, 
growing in unrighteousness. If you, do, if you do do the math, you'll find that even Noah's father, Lamech, he dies five years before Methuselah dies. So all of these people described in the godly line, except for Noah, are dead when the flood comes. Now then, we move at the end of the chapter to Noah. And Noah's name means rest, or as it's described in prophetic function by Lamech, one who brings relief and comfort from the toils of the curse. Noah, in Genesis 5, is a picture of that rest which would come in this controversy with the wicked. This, can you imagine how difficult it was for these men to stand against such wickedness for 969 years? What a weariness that would be to their souls to see men sinning for hundreds of years and growing in their sin and wickedness and not to get relief, but to know that in Noah... In his deliverance, remember, Peter says Noah is saved through the flood, not by the ark. In other words, God protected his people by wiping the wicked off the face of the earth. He saved them through the waters of the flood. Um, And so Noah stands as a representation of the rest that would come to the people of God. And we're going to see that in future chapters. But I would make one other point. Maybe you've asked the question, how come everyone else just describes one child, but Noah gets three? Why are Shem, Ham, and Japheth described? Well, if you think about what happens with Noah, God comes, he wipes the wicked off the face of the earth. Oh, the, God, the ungodly line of Cain must be gone. Oh, wait, it's not. And so you have, in the description of the three sons, you find the godly line of Shem, which was described later as the generations of Shem, with the wicked line of Ham and Japheth, which still arise up out of even that covenant community. I'd go back to one other thing and make a recommendation to you. If you're looking for a good commentary in the book of Genesis, let me give you a name. Robert Smith Candlish. Robert Smith Candlish. His book of his commentary on Genesis in two volumes is phenomenal. Very good. And he he goes back to one other important comment in this chapter, and that's that phrase, and he died. Maybe you heard me emphasize it just a little bit in the reading, and he died. That's the that's the drumbeat of the chapter. And Robert Smith Candlish says this: It is the death watch of the ancient and doomed world, and he died. The steady beat, as of a still small sound, striking at intervals upon the ear, marking each footfall of the destroyer as nearer and nearer. Step by step, he comes on. At each death of a saint, another hour of the world's day of grace is gone. As of of patriarch after patriarch, it is announced that he is dead. There is a new alarm rung and a new call given forth. They depart one by one from the scene, each leaving his dying testimony to a guilty world. And the single exception in the case of Enoch, who has this public token of the pleasing of God, that suddenly he is not, for God has taken him. This speaks even more eloquently than all the rest, that death is not the end. Think of the gospel promises, the gospel truths we have here, even in seed form in the book of Genesis, and praise God for it. Amen.
All right. <clears throat> Let us um, stand together and turn in our Psalters to Psalm 1A. The reason we're singing Psalm 